Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Roll. We are recording, as always, from the intergalactic studios of Red Sea Radio. And boy, do I have news today. I am a happy Taylor for the first time in quite some time. Because here in the Red Sea Radio studios, you have heard me all saying over and over again that we have not had air conditioning all summer, all through the summer Texas heat. And here I sit on September 2nd, and for the first time in four months, we have air conditioning in the studio, baby. I am excited. This is this show is a labor of love, but it has been a lot of love through sacrifice these last four months. Uh, it's been the greatest weight loss program I've ever had. Just come to a radio show, and you'll lose 38 pounds every sitting. Don't don't worry. You'll go drink some water right after and immediately gain all that weight back. But for a few moments in walking out of the studio, you will look the greatest you have ever looked. This is your weight loss information from your good friend, Taylor. And Sean there is the man you hear laughing. He is... One of the best four co-hosts. Uh, and even though the mean old father, a- Anthony Sharapa, forgot about him on last week's show, the big celebration, the big one five. Here he is, Sean McAfee, in the flesh, well, across the world, in Italy. Hello, Sean. I am in the flesh, though. Well, it'd be weird if you weren't. It's like, this is an avatar because Sean wanted to go to sleep. Because Sean's not feeling well. You've been very, very ill. What's going on, man? Uh, I got extremely ill like two weeks ago. I don't know what happened. And, uh, you know, I have four kids. They always pass around their diseases. And then I plug, I put earplugs in my ears overnight cause I have four kids and my ears got plugged like almost permanently. And, uh, and I have been fighting with about three doctors to get them undone. And I even hit one at, uh, 4 PM today to, to see if I can get a new remedy, um, to get them undone. It's been miserable, but I've been managing. Well, the, one of the first things you said, I'm, I know I'm not your doctor and you've been to three great ones. I'm sure they're great in Italy, but you said you put the, the earplugs, earplugs. You said you put them in and never mentioned taking them out. Like, have you tried taking <laughs> those out yet? Like maybe that's the issue. Very clever. Very clever. Very clever. Yes. I took them out and I didn't even notice that my ears were plugged whenever I took them back out. I was just like, Oh, that was a good night's rest. I, they did their job. And, uh, and then after about three days, I was like, whoa, I can't hear, but I hear the liquid in my ear, in my middle ear. And I did all this reading. I have learned more about my ear in the last two weeks than I thought I ever needed to know. So wait, I have a question about science. Again, I'm not a doctor. I have a right ear. I have a left ear. I don't have a middle ear. Where does this reside for you? You have an outer ear and then you have a middle pocket between the entrance to your ear and your eardrum and then you have an inner ear which is beyond your eardrum so i have a blockage on the outside of my ear and my between there and my eardrum and everything sounds like like it does now with these headphones on the outside sounds about 50 percent less than it usually would which is good uh whenever i'm streaming with uh taylor Scholl here absolutely absolutely which we haven't done in a while by the way less of you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got a new headset, so I sound pristine now. But uh, oh yeah, we got to uh, we got to celebrate last week. Last week was quite the celebration. Uh, thank you so much to everybody uh, reaching out uh, last week about episode one hundred and fifty. Everybody loved the logos. Everybody's been very kind to me, which has been which has been strange because people aren't usually this nice to me. I guess it took me 
uh, almost three years of work before someone finally said something nice. Uh, but no, thank you anyway. And, and we've got a great show here today. Today is a palindrome show. Y- you know what that means, right? Forwards and backwards the you same know, way. You know what it sounded like you said on my side? What? Challenge banjo. College banjo? It's a college yes. banjo show. So what that we're going to do, we're going to have a normal show. We're going we're gonna to talk about, uh, uh, I'm going to do a couple more thank yous. We're going to talk about how Jesus was wrong this past weekend in the gospel. We're going to have a great guest. And instead of doing our, our regular third segment, we're just going to have, you know, everybody knows that I, that I uh, record here from the St. Mary's Catholic Center for Texas A&M. That's where the radio station is centered there are so many s's and c's in what i just said and i kept tripping over them it was that was ridiculous but what we're going to do in the final segment is instead of us talking we're just going to have a, a college guy come in here and play the banjo for 18 minutes that'll be great oh wow cool nothing to do with faith at all like yeah. I, I asked him to play stuff for church and he said i don't know anything so he's just going to play devil went down to georgia for 18 minutes because it was the closest thing we could get to anything about faith okay okay yeah, i mean it has to do with the devil <laughs> Yeah, and giving your soul away. Well, maybe it's a a story or a parable, one might say, about uh, what not to do, which which leads me in to my problem with what happened on Sunday. Okay, Sean, I want you to define a parable for us. You're a smart man. Define parable. I would say it's it's an allegorical tale that reveals a religious truth. Absolutely. You're so smart. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the applause up very loud so that you can hear when I give you the fake applause. There you go. Cool. Fake fake applause at 25% hearing. Uh, So I'm I'm in a men's Bible study. I know that may surprise some people, but it's mainly just a group of me and my friends and we meet for lunch. Well, what is supposed to surprise us, that you're in a Bible study or that you're in a men's Bible study? I said it should surprise you. This past weekend's gospel, we were studying it at this men's Bible study. And I... Stop laughing. It's not that funny. That wasn't the joke. (laughs) Sean only laughs when I'm not making a joke, not when I actually do. (laughs) So we're studying this, and here's how it started. And I'm going to let you guys decide. Jesus never sinned, but we'll see if he made a mistake here. That's essentially what we're going for, okay? So he, Jesus, told a parable to those who had been invited, no, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man. And then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you're invited, take the lowest place, blah, 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 you might come up to a higher position. That's, the, that's the, the story. That's the parable, right? And I'm reading this, and I've heard this story, I don't know, 50 times, 40 times in my life. I never noticed something. These parables that you described for us, like what are some of your favorite parables? I've got some too. The prodigal of the son. The prodigal of the son. (laughs) I'm sorry. The heavens are telling the glory of God. (laughs) I mean, the prodigal son. I've been I've been labored with sickness. Oh, that was a great joke, Sean, that you didn't mean. You said you've been labored with sickness, and here we are recording this on Labor Day here in America. That was a really good joke, which leads yeah, to my I, next question. We're going to take a caveat. Is Labor Day just a U.S. thing, or or is Labor Day elsewhere? They have a Labor Day in Italy, but it was like two months ago. Isn't every day Labor Day because you know how many people work in the Vatican? About half. Ooh. <laughs> 
That's good. Okay, so what are some of your favorite parables? We got the the prodigal son. You got another f- favorite one? I also enjoy the parable of the mustard seed. The the parable of the mustard seed is that the one where the mustard seed comes to life? Like, how is that a story? Uh, well, it's it's in the it's in the Sermon on the Mount. I think he makes a, a you know, like I said, so it's an allegorical story or an allegorical image that points to a religious truth. So I I think Jesus used many parables, if any, even if he didn't tell stories with characters. Exactly. So this one, though, I have a bone to pick with the old Jesus Meister. Okay, it says. <laughs> Or maybe it's not Jesus. Maybe it's the author of this gospel. I'm not sure, which is, which is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, inspired by him. Um, but it, it says, I'm reading this verbatim. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at the table the place of honor. So this would be like, Sean, me walking up to you and saying, hey, Sean, I'm going to tell you a story. You have a lot of anger problems. Whenever you find yourself in a situation when you're getting very angry, you need to count to 10 and then maybe find some place to pray. Like, that's not a, I mean, it's great advice, but it's not a parable. That's the part I'm having a problem with. It's like, hey, I'm going to tell you this story that, to show an allegorical truth. Here's what you should do at dinner parties. <laughs> I am trying not to laugh because that is so funny. You make such a ridiculously good point. I've read this, like you said, so many times. I never really thought that this isn't really like a parable, like a story outside of, you know, him just giving advice. Um, Here, he's just giving advice. Uh, So I don't know. The only thing I have to say is if the parable of the mustard seed is a parable, then this is just as much of a parable. But it's not as strong as a parable as, say, um, the parable of the lost sheep or the leaven. There you go. See, look at you. Now you're just rattling off the parables. You have a, a brilliant mind. So that was the first thing that I noticed whenever we were hearing this gospel. The second thing that I noticed, okay, here, here's essentially the two options that Jesus gives. And most of the time, like, I'm able to see myself within the scripture story. It's a, it's a beautiful way to pray with the scriptures. Like, where am I in a story? What would I be you know, hearing if I was there, what would I be doing if I was there? It's a great way to pray, you know, some of this imaginative prayer, right? Here's my problem with this story. First of all, it's not a parable. Second of all, I don't feel like it's talking to me. And that's not because it's not because I'm better than this or whatever. But when I go to dinner parties, Sean, I'm not dumb enough to sit at the top of the the head of the table. Maybe maybe this story was so ingrained in me as a kid that I've never been like, I'm going to be the man at the table. But I'm also smart enough to realize that I'm not the man in any social situation that I've ever been in in my entire life. There's always somebody better looking, always somebody cooler, always somebody that everybody likes more. So that's not been my problem. At the same time, I'm not going to sit at the bottom either because that's boring. Like, that's not where I want to be. It's probably not where I belong. Just like, I know my place, Sean. My place is not at the top, but it's not at the bottom. Like, I do bring something to social interaction. Like, I can be fun. I'm not, like, always the lowest person on the totem pole. I'm not the highest either. So I always sit at the middle of the table. So I don't know what this story is supposed to be telling me. And you're like, I don't want to sit next to the kitchen, okay, where I got to hear them kicking the door and yelling at each other and cooking the food. Okay, I want to sit somewhere in the middle. I love sitting by the kitchen. That means I get my food faster. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Proximity. What am I supposed to do? As a person, I know my place, and I feel like that's a good trait that I have. But Jesus is like, nope. Don't like. I also feel like I'm not going to get kicked out of my seat if I sit in the middle. 
like like socially, right? Like it's not going to be like there's going to be, you know, 80 people at the, I don't know how many people are coming to this party. Let's say there's 20 people at this party. I sit at the middle. It's not like there's going to be 11 more that are going to come in. I mean, get kicked down 11 seats. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like what am I supposed to do? This is how I've lived my life and now this gospel's challenging me, but I'm not sure what it's challenging me to actually do. If I can, I think I think that this it's not even just about like being at a wedding feast or being at a restaurant or I don't know what. But it's it's to me it's about humility and it can be you can this can be, you know, being the first qualified person on Taylor's radio show or maybe being the first person at work for an award. This is about like that litany of humility to me. This is Lord Jesus deliver me from the fear of not being preferred. Maybe I'm not sitting at the front of the table, but I'm thinking I should be up there because I'm good enough. Jesus is saying, humble yourself. Well, okay, so I guess I'm halfway humble then. There may be a version of Taylor from back in the day that would have sat at the top of the table, but maybe I'm just growing in humility and that's why I'm confused because I'm sitting at the middle of the table now. Is that a possible if, solution? If this makes no sense to you, you're doing a good job, Taylor. Is, is that right? Is that how I'm supposed to feel about <laughs> reading the inspired word of God? If it's confusing, you're this doing it right. This has no applicability to me. <laughs> like it, it turns page. Right, I, I just It's one of those things I just don't understand. because, Like, I don't know. I don't know. When it comes to, like, these practical things, I guess it is my struggle with, like, real, the fullness of humility. Where, like, I guess the most humble thing to do would be to go sit at the bottom of the table, but it's also like, go here so that you won't be humiliated and you might get promoted. And I'm like, if I just sit in the middle, it's safe. I'm not going to get demoted or promoted. And I'm happy. Like, I'm good. But in the heavenly banquet feast, you will be promoted, even if you're the most embarrassing spot in the room. Those who are first will be last. Well, last if we're first. talking about the heavenly banquet, maybe I will be closer to the bottom of the table. Maybe that's how this scripture is going to come full circle for me, is I'm going to use all my life sitting at the middle of the table in every situation, and they, I'll be the guy that barely sneaks in, and I get to sit at the kitty table right next to the kitchen. So one day when you die and you go to heaven, you hug St. Peter and you hug Jesus, and he says, hey, now you got a feast. At, now you can sit with me at the table. You'd be like, I knew it. I knew it made sense. Thanks, Luke chapter 14. <laughs> I, I don't think Peter's going to give me a hug. He, the man who spent his life as a fisherman, who probably smelled like nasty ocean all the time, is going to be like, ew, you smell of sin. Go to purgatory. <laughs> That's going to be my welcome to the pearly gates. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, that's my thoughts on this past weekend's gospel. I'm just very confused. And I had thoughts, and I wanted to get your thoughts. And I feel like I almost understand it now. Thank you, Sean McAfee, Catholic author. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, a couple more thank yous for last week's stuff. First of all, I have to thank uh, one of our new patrons. Yay! Mary Ann Bose. She's my new friend on Twitter. We've been interacting there quite a bit. And uh, I, I guess my uh, my little promotion paid off. I re- in honor of episode 150, I released a lot of content for free on Patreon. Uh, most of the time, Patreon is for people who want to give back and support the show. And in return for sending me a few dollars every month to help me feed my children and put a roof over their head, you get... Bonus content, behind-the-scenes stuff with co-hosts, with guests, stuff that is only heard on Patreon. And I just wanted to give people a little taste of it. Um, And I was just feeling very generous because of how nice 
everyone was to me. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash Forte Catholic. I am watching Sean die as, 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 as I talk about that. I'm sitting here going, hey, thanks, everybody. And Sean's over here turning red. He is the color of the new Forte Catholic logo. So I'm very thankful for you guys. One other thing you can do to help me out is to go rate the show in iTunes or to just search Forte Catholic there and you can find it. Give us five stars because you love me. And I'll give you an indulgence to help you get out of the purgatory that I'm going to be spending most of my time in. So, hey, we will be right back uh, with Rachel Bowman. She's awesome. She's got a great life story. I cannot wait to talk to her. Don't go anywhere. Sean, have you ever been in a commercial before? No. Would you like to be? I don't know. Well, you're already in one, so it's too Ah. bad. I didn't ask for permission. I only ask for apologies. I want you to apologize to me. Uh, So um, do you have um, feet that you need to apologize for? Yes. Uh, Yeah, me too. I have to cover my feet. And the best thing to cover my feet, socks from SockReligious.com. But don't go to that URL because then you won't get the discount. Go to ForteCatholic.com slash socks and you can get the absolute coolest Catholic socks in the entire world. They've got your favorite saints. They've got your favorite church things. Everything that is beautiful is found on feet. That's a weird thing to say, but I'm going to keep it. Sean, do you like socks? Keep your socks on, Taylor. Okay, you heard it here first. That is Sean's opinion on socks. Let's just get back to the show because this is going fantastic. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am still here with a very sickly Sean McAfee who is just being a champ and pushing through this. Oh my gosh. I love when you talk over the music because then I can't edit it out. It's just absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for that just gift to us, Sean. I'm being sarcastic when I say that you gave us a gift. Oh, I meant to press the mute button. Oops, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Um, Thanks for interrupting my segue. Uh, So you gave us a fake gift, but our real gift today is having a new guest on the show today, Mrs. Rachel Bowman. Rachel, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. I wanted you to come on the show uh, a while back. It didn't work out. I wanted to talk about your life story. But I think the first thing that we need to do is I messaged you yesterday uh, saying like, hey, can you come on the show tomorrow? And you were like, sure. Uh, it kind of depends <laughs> on the hurricane, though. And I go, wait, what? So like, just kind of give us an update. What's going on right now in your life? So we were already on the conference for my husband and then decided to stay maybe go home but then we were watching the hurricane and of course now it's like the slowest hurricane and so we decided to come back home which has been good it's only a little bit rainy but it's not nearly as bad as it has been in the past you know that's always the hurricane season in florida it's always a guessing game every day you know are we gonna stay here we gotta go so but we're crazy floridians kind of like those crazy texan people but we just stay (laughs) You know. <laughs> I was gonna say that I was gonna say that because I grew up right on the Gulf, so we you know we dealt with this every summer as well. But I do have to give it to you because I never stayed and recorded a radio show in the midst of a hurricane. So I'm very <laughs> proud of you. This is this is uh, this is definitely your confidence in the Lord showing. 
<laughs> right, right, right. Well, we, you know, we lived here during Irma and lost a couple of trees, lost a fence, a shed, you know, so we figure it can't get any worse than Irma, but Dorian kept getting stronger and stronger. We're like, okay, maybe it's going to get a little worse, but he seemed to pivot for us. So we're, we're good. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad you were able to, uh, to pray it away. I'm very proud of you. Uh, very strong yes. prayers. <laughs> and I think this comes from, yes. from your strong background. We, we got to meet each other on Twitter and uh, we were introducing ourselves and you just, you have this tremendous life story. And I'm, I'm able to say that we just heard all these readings about humility. So you can't say it for yourself, but I can say it about you. And <laughs> I, I wanted That's to have true. you, have you come on and uh, just kind of share a little bit about it. So we're going to start all the way back uh, in your very young childhood. Tell us a little bit about how that started. Yeah. So I was born in the Philippines. My parents, my adoptive parents were missionaries in the Philippines. And so my dad had gone over there and my mom and my two brothers had gone over there to kind of, there were tent revivals going on. So they were going over to help put up these tents for the assemblies of God. And while they were there, my mom had also had mentioned to some people, you know, she, she had had a miscarriage. And actually in September of that year, she had asked God, she was washing dishes. And she said, God, I'd really like a little girl for Christmas. And they go over to the Philippines and my dad catches word of um, a little baby being born in an alleyway. So I was actually born in a cardboard box in an alleyway. My, wow. my mom, my biological mother lived in a, in a box. And so she gave birth to me hemorrhaging really badly. There's a huge commotion and some other missionaries happened to be going by and they came to help her. They took me to an orphanage and they took my, my biological mother to the hospital. And when she got better, she came back to get me and realized that she was too malnourished. She couldn't feed me. She couldn't take care of me. So she went back to the missionary family and said, you know, is there, do you know anyone that would want to take her or that could keep her? And so my mom, who had a previously, and this is November of that year, so September, she had asked for a baby girl. And she, my dad said, you know, there's this orphanage and there's this little girl. And my mom was like, I can't do it. Like, what if I go and I, I want to keep her and it doesn't work out? So she told my dad, just go and see if, if we could, you know, adopt this little girl. And so my dad went and met me and he came back and told my mom, I found our little girl. And so I was adopted in the Philippines when I was two weeks old God, by what, American missionaries from Central Florida. <laughs> that, like what a tremendous! Like I didn't know all of those details. I had no idea um, <laughs> about the beginning. Like I just kind of got the the text version on Twitter, which is why we do the right. which is why we do the show and actually have conversations like human beings are supposed to. Uh, like just right. tremendous. And a, a few things strike me. Like the first one being like the courage of your biological mom to have you, which, yes. which you didn't have to. And to, like, I'm sure it was heart wrenching, but the courage to say, like, I can't take care of myself. Nevertheless, this baby, can, can you guys find somebody to take care of? Like the courage in the midst of what must have been a very, very difficult situation for her. And then just kind of how God right. united these two families, right? Where it's like, there's this one family yes. that, that that was courageous, has a baby, can't take care of it. At the same time, there's a family that comes from Central Florida to the Philippines to this same place <laughs> that had right. been praying for a baby. Like this is just a tremendous story. 
Right. Agreed. So I always, anytime some, you know, like mission Sunday comes up, I'm always like, listen, missionaries save my life. So everyone needs to give to missionaries. Everyone needs to support missionaries. I wouldn't be here without them. <laughs> amen. Amen. I'm a domestic missionary, so I won't be going to the so Philippines anytime soon, but uh, go, go support me. That would be absolutely fantastic. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you grow up. Uh, with this uh, family of Assembly of God, who, by the way, like I love the Assembly of God because they were the only people that took uh, Peter literally whenever he saw the Transfiguration. Like, let's build tents. Like, the Assembly of right, God right. Are, are just <laughs> trying to follow in those footsteps as much as possible. But you, yes. you grew up in this Assembly of God house. But uh, fast forward, I'm sitting here talking to you as a Catholic. So, like, how? What is it like growing up? Uh, Assembly of God, how did that how did that time form you to be the Catholic you are now? You know, I remember going to a youth group and I had grown up, you know, my dad was a pastor in the Assemblies of God. And so I grew up exposed to church and exposed to faith and very passionate about loving God and and being devout in that way. But I don't think I'd really had an experience of like an encounter and at my own conversion, which I don't even know if you would call that that when you were Assemblies of God, but going to a youth group and seeing a youth group on fire um, and thinking, I really want that, and then joining this youth group. So I think that the charismatic side of the Assemblies of God and the passion that these young people had in their youth group really kind of converted my heart very early on. And it wasn't until I met my husband in my 20s that I had really met anyone that was Catholic. I had known one other Catholic person personally, not because I was anti-Catholic, but just because oh, I were. hung out. <laughs> you were, you were, you don't have to say it. It was in the past. We all know you didn't like us. It's in the past. It's fine. No, um, but my, I, and you know, the Philippines is devoutly Catholic. So I just wasn't exposed to it really. And then when I met my husband, I knew that his family was Catholic and I was leaving work one night. I worked for Carabas and was leaving work. And one of the young ladies at, at work, we would always talk about our love life. And so I said, I'm dating a new guy. She says, yeah, me too. And I said, she asked me, is the guy that you're dating a Christian? And I said, yes. And I said, what about the guy that you're dating? And she said, no, he's Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old <laughs> Assembly of God and our Christian friends. They're, they're just confused. It's fine. <laughs> right. And so I asked her, I was totally shocked. I said, so are Catholics not Christians? And she's like, no, of course not. And I said, well, why not? And she said, well, have you ever been to mass? And I said, well, no, have you? And she said, no, I just heard that it's weird. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if uh, guys, anyone that's listening, no matter what denomination you are, if you go to a church and it's weird, <laughs> they're definitely not Christian. It's not just that they're actually weird people. It, it's just it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sean, uh, I, Rachel, I don't know if you know, Sean also is a convert. Uh, did oh, Sean, awesome. in, in your tradition, did y'all build a lot of tents? No, uh, Southern Baptist, what do we do? We had a lot of potlucks and a lot of KFC. <laughs> <laughs> See, and this, this is the sadness of our church continually splintering off. Because if it didn't right. splinter off, we would have still have had all of these things. The Catholics would have still had great tent makers. The Catholics would have still had right. these great potlucks. Everybody just needs to come home and bring their, their great charisms of potlucks and tent revivals and all these things back home. That's what needs to happen. So yeah, all we it. have right now is Donut Sunday. It's not cutting the mustard. Right. It's true. It's true. It's not. You need a casserole at least. I mean, we got to bring it back. 
Come on. You're making me hungry. I haven't eaten lunch yet. So let's get back to your story. Let's move away from food. So you meet your husband. You find out that he's not a Christian from your from your friend from Carabas. Uh, so like, what does that look like? This girl who was grew up Assembly of God. Like, how does that even start with you and your now husband? Well, I was pretty shocked. I remember calling him. I was leaving work, so I called him and I said, "I'm I'm coming over." Someone just told me that Catholics aren't Christians. Is that true? And he said, well, I mean, I've heard that, but not a whole lot. Like, I don't think it's it's a huge thought out there. So I get to him and he has Googled it, which was a bad, bad idea. Um, <laughs> That's but the when same I thing him, Sean did. With, he Googled his sickness and now he thinks he's dying and wants a lot of sympathy. Not good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> it's, you're going to be fine. Promise. Um, take some Advil. <laughs> every time, every time. It's probably a tumor. No, that's what yeah, they usually tell you. I have 78 forms of cancer right now. I didn't know if you knew this. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Anyway, Advil. back to your, your Catholic husband. Yes. So my Catholic husband, I get to him, and he is literally in tears on his bedroom floor at his parents' house. And I come in, and I said, well, what? what's going on? And he said, I just didn't know that people hated us so much because I didn't know that people just did not like Catholics, that people didn't think we were Christians, that people think the Pope's the Antichrist, because I had no idea that it was such a vast majority that didn't believe that Catholics were good people or Christians. So we sat on his bedroom floor and we both cried because I'm looking at him, someone who had, had begun to deeply care about knowing his parents. And I remember thinking, because his parents are fantastic. I, I even told him, if we don't work out, I'm going to keep your mom and dad. So <laughs> this is how this works. So <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and I just I just have to throw somebody under the bus because uh, our, our good friend, Father Anthony, threw Sean under the bus uh, last week. <laughs> so I have to come back. And this is a perfect way to do it. Because the same way that your husband reacted to searching the Internet and seeing mean comments is how Father right. Anthony reacts every time he opens his Twitter and he reads all the mean things that people are saying about him. Right. He just he, blocks you, right? Is that I the way that works? I have no idea that people dislike me so much. Why doesn't anyone <laughs> let, like me and think I'm a good Let me block Christian? them. Exactly. You know, exactly. What, what do I do when I'm getting a massive amount of bad feedback? Just block everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's them. It's not me. Go follow Father Unblock. <laughs> Uh, for a little redemption in your life. So uh, you meet your husband. You, you both cry together on a floor, but you st- we still know the end. We still know that you become Catholic. What does that process look like? Well, I decided to start reading as much as I possibly could. I went to my first mass. I called my one and only friend that was Catholic. And I said, I'm going to mass tomorrow. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and so I said, well, what do I wear? And he goes, clothes. You wear clothes. <laughs> that's, that's what you wear to mass. Sound um, advice. Yeah. Yes, very good advice. I said, well, what else do I expect? And he goes, well, there's a lot of um, calisthenics. He said, so whatever anyone does, you just do it. And no one will know any different. Please you tell me you showed stand. up in workup clothes. You've been told to wear no. clothes. And <laughs> right. there was a lot of calisthenics. And you're like, here I am in my yoga pants. <laughs> Fantastic. So I that I went and it was beautiful. We were, I think it was Easter Sunday. And we were, of course, like a little bit late and everyone comes on Sunday. So we're in the balcony in the very back. And I felt like I had found home. 
And I remember wow. going to my my then boyfriend's house for lunch and he we get out of the car and he goes, you haven't talked in like 20 minutes, which is a lot for you. And I need to know if we're breaking up now or if that was like the, the you know, that what broke the camel's back is that it's it over because math was awful and you don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> and I just said, you know, I think that's what I've been looking for my whole life. Like it, this feels like home. And so from then on, I actually started going to RCIA secretly for like three months without telling him because I didn't want him to think I was doing it for him. No one knew that I was going. He thought I was going to some Protestant church that had excellent music on the same <laughs> night that RCIA was going on. And, um, and then I ended up coming into the church. But I remember when it was the Advent in Lent right before I was coming into the church. And at that point, I had developed such a love for the Eucharist that he would go up to receive and I would just sit in the pew weeping <laughs> and go watching him go to reconciliation for all the penance services. And it wasn't yet the time that I could would, could do, go do that where it would count towards, you know, all the things that we do for RCAA. No, I just remember thinking like, oh, why is it not time? <laughs> so I can't do this much longer. That's how my wife feels now whenever I travel. She's like, I'm stuck here in these pews with the kids and you get to go do cool things, (laughs) except yours was just with the Eucharist. Right, right, right. So, you know, kind of the same, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Um, we're all in this together, I think. That's that's how this works. It's Um, true. So at what point in your RCIA did your husband find out that you were going to RCIA? Oh gosh. So that was quite the night. Oh, he so didn't know? he didn't know. So I went and it was, it was like an hour away from where I lived. So he, I would call him on the way home. He really thought I was going to this Protestant service every wow. week. And so finally, when I decided this is definitely what I want to do, it, it came up to the first time that you have like one of the rights, the right of acceptance at the church. And so the scrutinies. Yes. So I called him because I wanted him to be there. And he answers the phone. He's actually a physician assistant. So he was in medical school for that. And I call him and I say, he answers the phone. So we hadn't seen each other a lot just via phone. And so I said, hey, I can't do this anymore, (laughs) which was a really bad way looking back to start out the conversation because he thought for sure that I was breaking out with him. And he said, I know we don't get to see each other a lot. This seems like, to why? be a theme. You constantly right? keep thinking, making this man think you're going to leave I know. Him. Poor guy. <laughs> and so I said, no, 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 I'm not breaking up with you. I am in RCIA to become Catholic. <laughs> so it was a good roller coaster, like his lowest low. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, she's becoming Catholic. This is great. So and lowest low and then this big high. And then he realized, yeah. wait, you've been lying to me for a year. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where have you been? So but then during all of that, at one point, he told me, if you and I don't get married, I am probably going to become a priest. He said, so either you're my wife and the Lord will call me to be your husband or I will be a priest. <laughs> He's like, save me. So right. I, I know. It's like, God, if this woman finally stops threatening to leave me, I might just join you. You know, join your race. asking you to throw me a life raft, please. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so bad. But, you know, and then RCIA that night was about holy orders. And I just sat in the corner, like, because the Lord just has a sense of humor. Your boyfriend might become a priest. So why don't you go learn about holy orders at RCIA? <laughs> So, so I sat in the so corner and cried. Every, you can explain to everybody what your ex-boyfriend is doing these days. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. So That's awesome. The last point that I wanted to make is that you talked about uh, your husband's family being very influential in this whole thing. Um, 
one of the things that you sent me a message about was that uh, whenever your friend was like, Catholics aren't Christians, you were like, wait, I know this tremendous family and they're phenomenal Christians, so I don't know what you're talking about. And that part right. of the story was just uh, very intriguing to me because I think it's a good thing for all of us to remember is that like we as practicing Catholics are the ones representing Catholicism to the world. Yes. And it doesn't yes. mean we have to, like, yes, it is helpful to have answers and to do our studies, to know the answers to give people when they are struggling with questions, because there can be these huge blocks, like intellectually, that would make people not want to come into the church. But at the same time, if, if we know all those things, but we're not just living our normal Christian lives, like being loving and being forgiving and being welcoming to this assembly of God woman from the Philippines, like it's not going <laughs> right. to work, right? We really, we, that, that was the big thing that really stuck out to me from your story. Yeah, I mean, I think that when we're all talking about like making Catholicism fun again, you know, hey. it really needs it. Hey, hey, hey. It needs to be about the fact that it needs to be something that extends love to everyone. If no one, I had a friend here the other day and we were talking about she was visiting for three or four days and she just kept saying, I don't know any Catholics like you guys. I was like, is that good or bad? And she goes, no, I mean, it feels like home here. Like it feels like I'm welcome here and it doesn't matter how broken I am or how, how, gr how great I might fit in with you guys. Either way, it's going to feel fun and loved like when I'm in your home. And I think that that's really what we should be doing. If you really want to make Catholicism great again, it should be about just loving people. And if you can love them to that place, they will hear the truth that you have to share with them. But their heart has to be predisposed for that for sure. So, yeah. yeah. I think we found our fifth house. You did it. Uh, we're, no, we're, we're always going to keep four. Sean, you're kicked off. Uh, so we talked <laughs> about food earlier. I'm very hungry, and there's like I could smell food coming in through the wall. So I'm going to go find that. We're going to go take a break. I'll come back, hopefully, uh, a little less hungry. Rachel, thank you so much for coming thank on. You. Uh, thank I asked you. If, you wanted, uh, if you wanted to send anybody anywhere at the end of the interview, and you said heaven. So uh, <laughs> go to heaven, people, but also on go Twitter there. and Instagram, Rachel Bullman, B-U-L-M-A-N. We'll be right back. Sean, have you ever read a thesaurus? I've used one. But never read cover to cover? Nope. Well, I have. I read the thesaurus cover to cover last week, and boy, let me tell you, there's some great words in there. The one that comes to my mind first, though, when I think about you, is voluptuous. And why I mean that... You didn't think of me until the very end? Until V. I'm very self-centered. Um, but when I look at your beard, I think voluptuous. Do you use any, any product in that beard? Catholic beard balm. You absolutely do, and that is why your beard is voluptuous. I, too, use Catholic Beard Balm, and it is amazing. Do you have a wife? I do. I don't know why I'm asking questions I know the answer to, and it's just you and I here. But anyway, <laughs> does your wife have skin? Yes, but she doesn't have a beard. She, Where are you going? She doesn't need a beard, because there's also <laughs> things from Catholic Balm Co. for people who don't have beards, like lip balm. Most people have lips. Um, I, I would assume your wife does as well, to go along with her skin, and there's there's lotion for that too. You can get all of this stuff at a discount from ForteCatholic.com slash beard. Now I know, I just said it's not just for beards, but it's the URL that I went with. I'm very sorry. Do you accept my apology, Sean? Yes. All right, back to the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I can still smell the food from the end of the last segment, but Sean lives in Italy and, and he isn't feeling well, 
and he really wants to go to sleep. So I'm being very loving and sacrificial, and I'm not going to go find the food. I'm going to stay here because I'm really the one making the sacrifice here, Sean. Um, Thank you. I, I mean, I know you're sick and you're not feeling well, but I, I, like it's very sacrificial on my part to not go get the food that isn't mine. Don't you agree? Yes. I've had nothing but a life cereal for the last two weeks. Life cereal? Life cereal. Oh, the brand. I was like, what is life cereal? Like, when life gives life? you cereal, cereal, you make Rice Krispie treats. I don't know what Cold you were going cereal. for. <laughs> okay. We have to get into a little bit of controversy from the internet. Are you ready for this? Is this going to be better than saying Jesus is wrong? Or Jesus made a mistake? Or oh, whatever? yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, people just thought I was wrong. So that, that we're, we're changing the lens. And instead of throwing barbs out, we're just going to throw them in. Is that Does that work with you? Let us do it. Why are you mentioning food? You just said lettuce. You know I'm hungry. <laughs> That's my joke. I, I mean, I, I know. You, you just made it. I heard you. I invented it. You didn't invent it. Okay. Don't steal it. <sighs> I'm going to... Uh. I want to go to sleep. Maybe I'm the one that's... <laughs> you're, you're, you're making me... You're rubbing off on me. You're halfway across the world, and you're still affecting me somehow. Okay. <sighs> Here we go. Rocky the movie. Have you seen it? Yes. It's been a bit. Okay. Well, I Just, did... just the first one. Yeah. Rocky... The, the first Rocky movie. I watched yeah. it this, this weekend on... Friday Friday night and then Saturday morning. I like did a two-parter because I went to sleep. I watched the movie, and here were kind of my initial thoughts, okay? So I was very surprised because all I know about Rocky is that it like it has this famous soundtrack. It's a <laughs> like a cult classic. Like it was like very high-rated movies. Everybody loved it. Everybody loves Stallone. It's like one of the greatest boxing movies of all time. And it starts. Literally, the first scene you see in the first Rocky movie is a mural of Jesus. Now, I was not expecting that whatsoever. It's it's a picture of Jesus, and he's holding the Eucharist. And I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. Why is there Catholic stuff in this movie about beating each other up? And then immediately, it pans down to people fighting while others watch and yell. And it's it's, it's essentially this, like either a legal or like non-sanctioned boxing league that's happening in this inside of this Catholic church. And I go, okay, wait just a second here, my friends. First of all, the amount of time that it went like, oh, is this movie going to be very Catholic? And then all of a sudden there are literally people fighting inside this church. It was shocking. Or a foreign country. But it's supposed to be Philadelphia, right? Yes, which is not a foreign country because I'm an American. It's a foreign country to you. (laughs) <laughs> I walked into that one. You absolutely walked into that one. The other thing that I was surprised by at first, now this is going to, uh, I'm going to digress on this very first, but I was taking notes as I was watching this because I was like, I want to know what everybody's talking about. And I didn't like watch this to talk about it on the show. I really didn't. But then right, like immediately when I saw the mural of Jesus and the Eucharist, I was like, oh, I'm going to have thoughts on this movie. I know that I'm going to have thoughts so I was that so, wasn't your first time, was it? My first time. I've never seen any any of the Rocky movies. This is my first. Oh, my first Did time. You grew up without TNT as a kid. What? Did you grow up without TNT or TBS or? 
Oh, I thought you said TMT. I was like, what do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have to do with this? TMNT. I didn't have cable growing up. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I'm not ritzy like you. Good. Your internet yeah. keeps cutting out, and you sound like a whale. <laughs> in, the, in the in the 90s, you just plugged your TV into the wall. It was, uh, what was it? It was uh, analog. Yeah, I still do that. I still plug my TV into the wall because I'm still poor. Okay, moving on. Patreon.com slash So the other thing that I was surprised by at first, it was not surprising later. This movie was not only the main actor, Sylvester Stallone, it was written by Sylvester Stallone. And I always yeah. thought this guy was just a meathead action action movie guy. And I'm like, okay, maybe I was wrong. He wrote this movie that everybody holds up in very high standards. And then <laughs> I watch a few more minutes of the movie. And a few more minutes of the movie. And I get an hour into this movie. I can't stand it. I can't stand the movie. The writing was terrible. The acting was terrible. It like all these people that they've seen the movie are always yelling, Adrian! Couldn't stand Adrian for the first 70 minutes of the film. So annoying. Like It's it's yeah. like it was just somebody took a camera and walked around a regular person's life. It was like the first reality show. It wasn't well written, so I was right. Stallone was a meathead. He, like This was terrible. It was terrible. I couldn't stand the first hour of the movie. This always makes for like great internet posts. It's like 10 things you didn't realize you didn't know about the first Rocky movie. And it's like he didn't win. So he's not yelling to Adrian, hey, I did it like I won. It's just that he survived. Like he did it. I actually didn't even know until like the last five or six or seven years that Sylvester Stallone writes all his movies. He wrote all the Rambo movies, wrote all the Rocky movies. But I think the cool thing about the Rocky movies is, is not the first one, but the rest of them. The quadrilogy. Quadrilogy, eh? It's an interesting word. The quad, the quintilogy, the quintilogy, the quintilogy. Okay, now, so now it's like the sexilogy. You watch your mouth. So I, uh, what I felt like about this movie is that it was one of those like, you've seen these Christian movies, right? Like uh, Fireproof and that sort of thing. Have you seen any of those? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I feel like Rocky was just like those bad Christian movies. It's like the met, oh, the meta yeah. story. Yeah, I know. I know. The meta story <laughs> was really good. Like this like everybody was like how dare you? Uh, I, I I tweeted this essentially and everybody was yelling at me and I finally felt like I had made it on the internet because everyone was yelling at me. Uh, that that's what you know. You've really made it. So here's the deal. I wrote I just finished watching Rocky for the first time and boy is that movie overrated. Terrible writing, most boring first hour of a movie. Adrian was unbearable for the first 90 minutes. I guess it just didn't hold up. And the internet went absolutely ballistic. And the biggest, like, comeback that I got was, first of all, I loved that movie when I was a kid. And my response was, yep, that's nostalgia talking. You think the movie is actually a lot better than it actually is, meaning it didn't hold up, right? And some people accepted that. Others didn't. Uh, but, like, the other big one was, like, okay, um, this wa this movie was actually nominated for Best Picture and won Best Script. Now, Sean, I'm not a man of this world, but I will never understand the Oscars. Every movie that wins anything for the Oscars, and I'm like, 
I hated that movie. No Country for yeah. Old Men, worst movie ever created. What? So, I like that one. Oh, it was terrible. So everybody Let's keeps make coming. Let's La La Land. La La Land. See that that, that movie was weird too. Another one where like meta story, good, but for ninety minutes I was bored out of my mind. So here's the thing with Rocky. I like the meta story. Everybody's like, oh, it's actually a big deal because he lost, and I'm like, cool. He lost. Very good. I'm very proud of you. Like, and a, like a lot of sports movies have taken that trope on, and it's actually been really good. But people were acting like Rocky invented this. Like, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone was sitting there. Have you never heard of people losing before? Like, to think that a movie in the 1970s was the first time where there was a tragedy. Like, we mentioned Shakespeare earlier. He was a writer of tragedies. Everyone always died. Like, this wasn't new. I don't understand why people love this movie so much. You gotta watch the other ones. Watch two, three, four, and five, and then tell me which one your favorite is. And you'll be like, I loved! And I bet I can predict which one. Okay, well, here's the deal. Uh, they get better. Everyone yelled at me about Rocky 1. And essentially, the whole reason I was doing this was because I love Michael B. Jordan, and those Creed movies look absolutely tremendous, right? Uh, but, I, but I'm the kind of guy that I need to start from the beginning. So I, I knew that I needed to go back and watch all of them. So essentially, I am doing this. I'm grogging through these first ones to get to the movies that I really want to watch. So a couple of people have said what you just said. So I kept going, and like I committed to watching all of these before I even started. It's not like I'm going to quit now. So... I watched the second one, Sean McAfee. What do you think I thought? You didn't like it? I loved the second one. I, I loved it. That's I like absolutely the loved it. Exactly. I loved the second one. So here's what I tweeted out. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I just finished watching Rocky II for the first time, and boy, does that movie live up to the hype. If you haven't figured it out yet, I just copied the first tweet, and I changed the words as needed. Uh, terrific writing, had me not locked in the whole time. Adrian was an absolute queen. Truly impressive how well it holds up. Yes. So I just essentially wrote the same yes. tweet. But here's the deal. The first tweet that I said about Rocky won. This just proves how negative the internet is. Are you ready for this? The first tweet got 33 comments of people yelling at me and 31 likes, which means I learned for the first time what being ratioed means. Did, have Ooh. you ever heard of this before? Yeah. It's one of those internet terms that I've heard thrown around a lot, but I never understood and I couldn't tell anybody that because it would mean that I would have to ask a question and someone would make fun of me. Well, I finally learned, people. This means that people comment more or reply more than they like a tweet because they don't actually like the tweet. So everybody yelled at me for that one. And then I write the same dang tweet, nine likes. Now, where were those people that were yelling at me to come say that I'm on their team now? They don't love me. Why don't people be nice on the internet? You're yelling at us. I am yelling. You know what? I'm upset. <laughs> when are you going to watch Rocky 3? Because if you think Adrian did good in the first in the second one, wait till you see what she does on the beach in the third one. She went back to work. She had his baby. She was in a coma. She still showed up, and she told him to go win. Like, I don't know how she can be much better, so if it actually gets better in three, I'm in for quite a treat. So you just her, her monologue and her dialogue uh, confronting Sylvester Stallone on the beach in number three is, is really, really dramatic. It's good. Well, I'm very excited. I am going to keep going. Here's a couple of things that I want to draw out of this. First of all, I love the meta story that – 
here, here's this guy who's down and out and who had all this talent, who wasted it just because he had to provide for himself. And then he uh, trains and gets better. He gets this big shot. He's like, I don't, I don't even care about winning. I just want to be the only person that goes the distance with Apollo Creed. And he does. Like, there's so much determination. And, like, that's how I want to be in my life. That's how I want to be in my spiritual life. Because I don't think I have that much determination in my spiritual life. Like, I may have it at work. But, like, it is an inspiring movie. I will give it that. But the second point that I wanted to draw out of this is, uh, <laughs> let's see if you can make the point for me. Let's see if you can figure this out. So... Uh, what's another thing that has to do with our faith where the first few things, the first few installments might not be as exciting, but stick with it uh, because it'll get much better later. Does that sound like anything else to you? The Gospels? The Bible. The Bible, right? So everybody says that the Old Testament is like a slog. Like you get into reading Leviticus. Like I would have rather read Leviticus and Deuteronomy than watch the first 90 minutes of Rocky Leviticus One. Leviticus is way better than Numbers. No, it's really not. Leviticus is a book of rules. That's why you like it, I guess. Those, like, those rules are sometimes really hilarious. Counting <laughs> censuses is not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, you have a point there. But, guys, I promise, it gets better. There's this man named Jesus that shows up. He saves the whole world, and it's pretty phenomenal. So that, those are my thoughts. I'm going to continue ro watching Rocky, uh, and it can only get better from here, just like your spiritual life, Sean McAfee. Now, how's that for an ending? Well done. Thank you, good and faithful servant. All right, guys, that is that brings us to the end of our show today. Um, I, as I mentioned last week, I was on the Men Fully Alive podcast on Outside the Walls last week. Go check out those podcasts. Say it! John, do you want to know my favorite thing about you? Yes. It is the way... That you know that I'm recording literally everything that we say. So most it's of the scary. time, you've gotten very, very smart uh, in the last couple of months. And you say, Taylor, are we recording before you share a story that you may or may not be able to share on Catholic Radio? Well, the answer to that question is always yes. I'm always recording. And yes, there are some things that we can't share on Catholic Radio, either because of the content or because we just frankly ran out of time. So everybody can get all of this information. All of the bonus content, literally like dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of extra Forte Catholic with my great guests, my great co-hosts, also Sean McAfee. You can get all of that content at patreon.com slash Forte Catholic. It's the absolute best. Sean, tell them why they should go there. So I wasn't included in the list of great guests? Correct. Thanks. Love you. Love you too. Bye.